You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is April 2021. It's time for your Ask the Experts segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining me this month is Joe Mazumdar. Now, if you're a regular listener to the Ask the Experts segment, you recall that Oh, at least once a year or so, we'd have Brent Cook join us to answer your questions about the miners and the exploration companies. Brent Cook, of course, for about 15 years, ran a company called Exploration Insights, a fantastic newsletter for helping you and guiding you through the mining sector. Brent now is, I guess we could call him semi-retired, and he's turned over the day-to-day operations to Joe Mazumdar. Joe, of course, is a renowned expert in the mining industry. Uh, he has more than two decades of experience in mining analysis, planning, and exploration geology. So if you enjoy this podcast today, be sure to like and subscribe and share this post on whichever channel you're listening to. And with that in mind, please welcome Joe. Joe, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thank you very much for the invitation, Craig. It's great to have you aboard and great to have you continuing the great work of Brent at Exploration Insights, I tell people at my TF Metals Report site all the time, man, don't just be throwing darts at a board when it comes to miners. It is This is a challenging, challenging sector to analyze, and you just simply can't do it yourself. Exploration Insights has always been a favorite of mine. Please tell everyone briefly uh, about what you do there. I, I'm, my background is geology, similar to Brent. And uh, also, uh, I've done an economics degree in, in Colorado and uh, worked a bit on the finance side. So actually, I've got three decades of doing this. Um, and uh, I took over Exploration Insights back in 2016 and have been running it with my wife uh, since then. And it's a weekly publication, same as what Brent was doing, about uh, what I'm buying and selling. And then we also offer rants about uh, what's happening in the uh, in the industry and uh, for your uh, subscribers or viewers or however they do it uh, we've got a few um, um, rants actually for uh, that we've published online for free uh, that they could go to our websites explorationinsights.com and pick up uh, one on M&A and uh, another one on the gold market uh, that, that's available if they're interested fantastic again one word exploration insights dot com correct yes that's right all right joe well let's dive in ever since we announced you as the guest this month we've collected questions uh online through the email address submissions at sproutmoney.com also on twitter uh we've got a nice handful of questions and at the end uh i've got uh, looks like about eight companies uh that people wrote in just to ask if you know anything about them can share anything so we'll have a little lightning round as we used to do with brent but to begin with uh, I've got, let's see, five general questions for you. Can I hit you with the first one? Yes, please. I tell you what, this one, uh, I know what I think, but I'll be curious to see what you think. The question is simple. <laughs> Do you think that we've finally seen an end to the seven-month downtrend in the mining shares? Well, it depends when you mean mining shares. Are we just talking uh, precious metals? Yes, in the precious metals mining shares. I would assume that this means like, you know, if you pull up a chart of the GDX or the GDXJ, they've okay, been trending okay. downward since August. Right, because we, we see a dichotomy probably between um, other metals, battery metals, base metals, and because copper's hitting new highs right now uh, versus precious metals, which is not. So if we're talking mining shares, some are doing well and some are not. Uh, so gold right now is bouncing around 1700 It hit a low of about 1640 which is really not that low. 
uh, more recently. Uh, I think importantly for for people that are in the precious metal sector to to see what's happening with with the producers because a lot of the producers are in a much better financial state than they were in the last cycle when uh, gold went down to uh, almost a thousand dollars. The health of the sector is much better. But but what they still need is a pipeline of projects, hence why expiration is important. So I would tend to focus more, as I do in the letter, on less levered companies that require $2,000 gold to, to make it and more companies that would have assets that a mid-tier might want uh, uh, to grow its portfolio. Uh, so So I don't think it's... It's 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 a bad time right now, and it almost be a good time to buy, considering the market and the downturn. Uh, but you really got to look for assets that you think could be taken over. That that, that in my opinion, as, a, as opposed to picking some that are just levered uh, to the gold price, because that is uh, going to be uh, fairly volatile going forward. Yeah, Rick Rule talks about that all the time. About some companies are basically a call option on the gold price. Yeah, and that's not a bad trade. I'm not arguing the trade and the idea, but if and if that's your conviction that gold's going to go to 2,500, then you know there's definitely those companies out there that provide you that leverage. Uh, but that's definitely not the call I'm making right now in terms of the portfolio. Gotcha. Well, you definitely set me up with a good segue to the second question. Uh, this is a rather, I guess, a general question too, but it's certainly one that uh, I'm excited to hear your answer. If you could pick a just a general category uh, right now, which would you prefer, producers, juniors, or exploration companies? In the precious metal sector. In the precious metal um, sector, yep. So I, I tend to diversify a bit. Uh, I, I'm not overweight in exploration sites. has never been overweight producers. But there was a time to be weight overweight uh, producers, probably, uh, you know, past April. Uh, last year, uh, after we had a downturn, but you could have bought anything March 18th and made money. Yeah. Um, but basically, that would have been a time to go for producers because the idea with producers is they're going to see the benefit of a rising precious metals uh, sector first because they're going to see it in their cash flow. Hence why uh, you would want to be exposed to them in a rising market. Just like right now in the copper market, as that price goes up, uh, the ones that will feel it the most will be the um, uh, the free ports and uh, the first quantums right now. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to a point where I would say those companies, um, maybe uh, potentially less so the, the large ones um, after the mega mergers, but the mid tiers are still looking to grow and are still looking for uh, assets to add because a lot of them don't do much exploration. So I think there is room for exploration companies. And even though we've seen a lot of financings in the first quarter of this year, uh, we haven't seen a lot of the proportion to gold companies. So the gold companies right now are probably uh, less loved right now than ones exposed to battery metals and base metals. So this might be an opportunity to pick up a company that you really like that you think's got a high quality asset that's being sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, undervalued like mm-hmm. the entire market. And so that would be my take right now. Cause I've, I've got a list of companies that I like, but I always thought were overvalued, but you know, like some of these companies, they just keep like Vancouver real estate. They just keep getting overvalued every day. But <laughs> so, 
So I'm hoping for if there's a pullback, I've got a list of companies that I would I would I would take positions in. All right. Well, then uh, I think that's also sets us up for the third question because you mentioned these producers, uh, even in gold. I mean, the we're going to get first quarter earnings results uh, beginning yep. next week, and for the first quarter of this year. A lot of these producers are going to recognize a gold price that's about maybe seventeen forty or fifty versus yep. fourteen fourteen eighty last year. I mean that's fifteen twenty percent higher. Yep. So there are going to be some big cash flow that's generated, and that leads me to question three: What do you think is a better strategy for mining company profits, offering stock buyback plans or increasing their dividend? I would say that any company out there has, you know, uh, several options. One to pay down debt, which many have done, and their balance sheets are much better. So that that option might be off the table right now because, in terms of long-term debt, they've sorted themselves out uh, with respect to their debt positions they had over a decade ago, which is which is a very good example would be would be Barrick. Um, and then another allocation would be growth. Like, um, you know, spending money on expanding your current assets. And then, you know, like another example would be, you know, Barrick investing in Pueblo Viejo to expand that operation, you know. Uh, and so that might not even be growth, but running to stand still. And then another allocation would be dividends uh, and another would be buyback. Uh, my my preference versus uh, dividend versus buyback uh, would probably be dividends. But I mean, uh, I, I've seen people do the buybacks and they've done them rather well. And they're just telling you that they think that their share price is, is undervalued. Right now, a lot of companies who are, you know, not a lot, but uh, companies that are looking at doing investments or doing uh, M&A are thinking that their cash is a better use of money on the acquisition than their shares because they think their shares are undervalued right now. Because we got to remember that even though you're saying, oh, the gold price was 14, 1450 last quarter versus this quarter, year on year, uh, now it's over 1700. But a lot of these companies are booking reserves at 1200, 1250. So the margin that they're making on these tier one assets are, are significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to generate, like you said, a lot of cash flow. But then the problem is finding more of these tier one assets. And hence, then we get back to the story of exploration. Can exploration companies, juniors, find some of these assets that these guys want? And if they can, that's really where the big win is. That's yeah. the 10 bagger, 20 bagger that we're all looking for. Yeah, that's what you and Brent have always excelled at, too, is that kind of research. Um, move on to question four, Joe, because I think this is it. We haven't talked about silver miners yet. Yeah. Uh, and this has to deal with that. I mean, at least this year, if not stretching back into the fourth quarter of last year, the silver miners have been outperforming the gold miners. Do you expect that to continue? Well, it, on the back of if, if real rates continue to go flat uh, uh, to uh, uh, going up, I, I, what I've noticed is um, if if real rates, even if they stay negative, but the trend is that they're going up, uh, gold doesn't do very well in that environment. And and silver plays a bit of a role in in, in that in that game with respect to real rates and uh, precious metals. But right now, people are looking at silver 
as one of these metals of the future uh, because of, you know, the intensity of silver use in solar panels and some other industrial applications of silver. So silver is probably outperforming gold because of the potential of those industrial applications. And so if, if real rates don't change, I mean, and, you know, start going negative again, more negative, then, yeah, there is a chance, a good chance silver could outperform uh, gold going forward. Um, but, but what the problem seems to be is it's hard to find good silver assets. Yeah. Uh, and my exploration companies talk about silver, but a lot of these silver deposits just geologically are, are polymetallic. And so people always quote silver equivalent, but you don't really know how much silver it actually has. Like right now, you, you, you saw that Fortuna Silver make a bid on Rocks Gold. And so th this is like uh, these are gold assets in West Africa. They're not silver assets. And I think on the call they were talking about going forward that silver might only be 20 percent of their value. You know, so there's not a lot of pure silver plays out there anymore. And it's hard to find uh, uh, ones that make sense. So in terms of silver exposure, it's not it's not an easy game. And also silver companies, I think, realize right now that it's hard to grow in silver just because there's so few silver assets out there. Yeah, yeah. All right, one last question before the lightning round. Uh, this has to do with – this is up in your neck of the woods, actually, Joe. What yeah. do you think of the Golden Triangle in uh, – what is that, British Columbia as a jurisdiction? And do you like any of the companies up there? I mean, um, yeah, Golden Triangle is has been talked about for a while. There's a lot. I mean, Pretium is probably one of the uh, the ones that have made a, a a go of it in terms of uh, discovering uh, that asset. Uh, Bruce Jack, Valley of Kings, developing it and generating free cash flow. Obviously, they've had a lot of issues with their resource and that, but you know they've done a good job building it. Uh, Red Chris up there with the, the copper gold porphyry acquired by uh, Newcrest and now Newmont, um, you know, acquiring GT Gold. Um, Newmont also acquiring half of, I think it was Galore Creek. Um, so there's a lot of M&A activity. It's, the jurisdiction is very appealing to people, uh, to big companies, especially also for gold companies looking for copper exposure. So, yes, the Golden Triangle is is uh is very prospective the issue with the golden triangle for a lot of junior companies is it's not cheap to operate there mm. like with helicopter supported drilling you could be easily over 500 dollars per meter drilling there uh, the seasons are short and so uh news flow can be uh really um you know problematic when you're trying to raise money this last season because of covid and the labs and the turnaround times doubling or tripling, uh, you know, people have had the opportunity to have news flow far beyond the end of the season. But we're still talking about maybe three to four month season. So, yes, it's a great area. But what I've seen from a, a few explorers that don't have a significant asset there, they tend to try and diversify to other areas so they can continue their news flow. So, yes. Uh, number one, Golden Triangle Perspective. Number two, it's been proven by M&A from majors into the jurisdiction. Uh, BC, you can get permitted, as Pretium has shown, and, and can build projects. Uh, but problematically for juniors, it's not cheap. Yeah. It, isn't it like it thaws for like four months out of the year or something, and then it gets all mushy, and it makes it tough, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, the big the thing about there is that you've got a little bit of altitude, you've got uh-huh. snow, but, the, you know, also we got that issue about the glaciers receding there, and that's what's actually opened up a lot of exploration opportunities up there, because now when people go back to these areas that were under glacial cover, now they're exposed, and uh, they've been opening up uh, areas that uh, that weren't known 20 years ago. Got it. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Golden Triangle is appealing. Uh, I don't right now have I've got uh, some exposure to the Golden Triangle through um, through a prospect generator. But other than that, I don't have any specific companies uh, in the Golden Triangle because my problem with some of these companies in these jurisdictions is they tend to get a high premium for for the jurisdiction. Uh, which, um, which I'm not sure. Uh, you, you know, you're 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 paying a high price for the share, mm-hmm. even though they might not have found anything versus somebody maybe in a different spot. Gotcha. All right, my friend. Here comes the fun part. This is the uh, what Brent and I always used to call the lightning round. Uh, okay. We've got this collection of names that people have sent in and said, "Hey, ask Joe about this one. Ask Joe about that one." And uh, we'll just do that on the final two slides here. On this first slide. Uh, we'll put four names. I will just read them off to you. And if you have anything that you can add, you know, in the 15, 20, 30 seconds, go for it. If not, just say, no, don't know anything. No shame in that. Okay. okay? So here All comes right. the first one. A company I've never heard of called Mirasol. Oh, yeah, Mirasol. We've had that one in the portfolio forever. Mirasol is a prospect generator, uh, South, uh, South American uh, focus. Um, Argentina and Chile. Um, problematically, it's been impacted last year heavily by COVID, and so it hasn't had a lot of news flow. This year, it's drilling over 20,000, almost 30,000 meters, I think, between itself and joint venture partners. It's changed its model slightly that it used to let everybody else drill their, their assets, but now it's drilling two of their projects, one in Chile uh, and another one in Argentina. I own it in the portfolio. I'm looking forward to the news flow coming up this year. How about this? Uh, Eric used to mention this one quite a bit last year. Tudor and uh, Teuton. I can't. What, is it, what do they call that area? Treaty Creek? Is it that? The, am I right there? What, what is that up there? Yeah, I think that's in British Columbia. I don't know it uh, okay. well enough to comment. I'm afraid. Okay, that's fine. Uh, here's another one I've never heard of. Step. Gold? Oh yes, actually, Step Gold was. Uh, um, I've I've talked to them a couple of times. Step Gold is uh, in production and looking to expand a gold uh, project in Mongolia. Hmm. Uh, there, you know, Mongolia obviously has a lot of geopolitical risk. We've seen what's happened with uh, Rio Tinto and Turquoise Hill with uh, with the Oyu Tolgoi. Um, uh, our copper gold mine uh, there, the massive one there. Uh, so it, it does have that geopolitical risk. But what's nice about Step Gold is that it's got a connection with the government. There's some ownership, and they've also uh, got a, a debt financing. I think that they raised through uh, Mongolia. So there is a connection that with the government that allows them to continue their operations because the government has you know, an interest, a, a, an interest in the asset actually working. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of where it is, it's not as remote as uh, some of these other assets in Mongolia. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they're operating, they're making money, they, they're raising more capital to uh, expand their operation. So if you're okay with Mongolia, 
um, that's not that that's not a bad asset or or company to to look at. How about if you're okay with Mongolian barbecue? Does that count? Oh, no? <laughs> I like Mongolian barbecue. All right. Hey, one more on this slide. I bet you know about this one because Brent told me about this one years ago. Called company called Great Bear. Oh, Great Bear. I mean, uh, Great Bear had uh, you know great success in um, in Ontario in the Red Lake district. So initially. They were drilling, uh, uh, you know, a Red Lake type deposit. Those deposits or that kind of mineralization tends to be very high grade, but not very continuous. Uh, and this, I believe, was uh, the Dixie Project or the Hinge Zone. Then what they found uh, later in their exploration was the LP fault, which looks more like, I believe, like Hemlo uh, uh, and, and also not so uh, uh, deep, potentially near surface. And they've been drilling that. I think... They raised recently 70 or 80 million dollars in the first quarter, and they're drilling, I believe, uh, another 100,000 meters. They have yet to announce when they're actually, even when they're going to put out a resource. Uh, so that's something to, to watch for and look for uh, if you own the shares or are looking to go in is, uh, you know, if that's a catalyst you're looking for uh, to see if they're actually talking about doing that. Uh, because that, that's one thing most industry players are looking at is, can they put a resource together on this asset? Gotcha. All right, just a few extra names to go here on the last page. First one, remember, if I remember right, it was Discovery Metals, and now I think they're called Discovery Silver. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that one. I okay. know it's in Mexico, uh, but and it's definitely a lot of silver there. But I, yeah, I'm not familiar with the asset. All right. Uh, this one, I think, is Australian called DeGray Mining. Yes, DeGray. I mean, I again, I don't know this asset. It's done very well. It's in Western Australia, uh, but I, I, and it's a it's a legitimate discovery. Uh, but I, I can't comment on the asset because I don't know it that well. How about Eloro, E-L-O-R-O? Uh, no. Don't I don't have that one. one. Hey, I'm 0 for 3 on this page, baby. Hey, <laughs> here's one. The last one, I, I was going to – I thought about asking you this early, and we'll end with this one because you mentioned the silver companies and how few primary silver companies there are. Uh, Endeavor Silver is one of those. It's the last one on this page. Uh, they announced a couple weeks ago with their most recent quarterly results that they withheld production. They pulled like a million ounces of silver out, but they only sold like half of it and kept the other half because they think the price is undervalued. What do you think of that as a strategy? And do you know anything about Endeavor? Um, I used to own it in the portfolio several years ago. Um, the uh, uh, the thing about Endeavor, it's definitely levered to the silver price. So if you sell, think silver is going up, it's sort of like the first quantum of, of silver uh, in terms of leverage. It's got a lot of leverage. Um, so... I mean, we've seen that in the uranium sector where uh, companies uh, like Energy Fuels have not sold uranium because, you know, um, it, it's just not worth it. They would be losing money if they sold it. So that's not totally uncommon to, to with, withhold production if you think the price is uh, not uh, not high enough or, or it doesn't even pay you back. But, but that's kind of funny considering how much silver has gone up. You know, it's not like uranium that's been flat for a long time and sitting at $30 a pound. Uh, you know, silver has had uh, a bit of a, a rebound in the mm -hmm. last uh, last year. So I, I find it interesting that they still consider it, uh, you know, undervalued such that they wouldn't sell half their production. Yeah. yeah. If they're right, 
they're going to get a nice boost in earnings. That's for sure. It's like uh, yeah, I mean, if we go back uh, several decades, when I was in the copper market, I used to work for Phelps Dodge, and back when copper was fifty-five, seventy cents. Uh, a per pound, um, a Cadelco, you know, the, the big state owned uh, Chilean mining company, um, they, they withheld a lot of their production uh, and held it in a, in a stockpile down there in Chile until the copper prices rebounded. Uh, um, so, I mean, it's again, it's not uncommon. It's just unusual because both energy fuels and Cadelco did it when when copper and uranium prices were actually low. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, silver prices uh, have, have been rebounding. So I, I guess I'm a little bit more confused with what Endeavor is doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I, this has been tremendous. Uh, it's just been great to get your opinion on all these topics and all these different companies. Uh, just before we go, I want to ask everybody to, again, keep in mind SprottMoney.com. If you're in the market for physical metal and a, even a place to store it, all kinds of selection in inventory of gold bars, gold coins, silver bars, and silver coins, and a great place to start your shopping whenever you're looking to buy. Again, SprottMoney.com or just give them a call, 888 888- Eight six one zero seven seven five. Again, we've been speaking with Joe Mazumdar. He is editor and analyst, explorationinsights.com. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Craig. We'll talk to you again later. I very much look forward to it. And from all of us here at SproutMoney News and SproutMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll do this again next month.